happened with Jesus, there's a massive rush of people to come and see this guy. Um, it's no different, you know, today. I reckon if, if, if there was a guy uh, that, that, that rocked up to Austinville and word got out that he was healing lepers and raising the dead and opening blinded eyes and teaching with such wisdom that even the wisest of religious scholars could not refute what he was saying, I reckon we'd all be rushing to Austinville too. I know I would be. I'd want to go there. I'd want to see that. Even if, even if I didn't believe it, I just want to see it. I want to be a part of what's going on. And this is what's happening here. Everywhere Jesus went, these massive crowds of people would gather around because they'd heard what this guy was all about. They'd heard what happened when he went to the next town. Wow, we want to see this. We can't believe this. This is amazing. And there was a bit of hysteria and people running. And, and so we've got a situation here where he's sitting in a house and that many people are coming to hear him. That The Bible says there's not even any room for anybody else to get in. The windows are, 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 are full of faces peering in. The doorway's full and the crowds are out into the streets. I remember uh, many years ago going to a little village called Kempty in central India. And it was, uh, it was controlled by a particular church group. And, and we went in there and we were just meant to go in there for one night with an Indian pastor. And all we were doing was a little, um, a little house church thing with about 15 people. Well, cut a long story short, we, we sat there, we started teaching, God showed up. We saw a couple of people get healed. The Holy Spirit started touching people. So the pastor said, can you come back tomorrow night? So we came back the next night. And all of a sudden, we had about 30 people. And he said, can you come back again? And again, by the, about the seventh day, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And they couldn't get in, so we couldn't do it in the house. We actually had to go outside in the middle of the marketplace and do what we were doing. And the Holy Spirit was just doing amazing, wonderful, wonderful things. Why did he do all that then? And I'm not seeing him do that every Sunday. I don't know. There's questions I have about God and the way God works, and I don't know at all. But what I do know is what he did there is forever etched in my brain. I saw people with all kinds of sicknesses and diseases being healed right smack bang in front of my eyes. I saw people being touched by the Spirit of God. I saw grumpy old men standing there, Hindu men pointing fingers, critical, all of a sudden fall on the ground, start laughing. As, and we didn't pray for them. We did nothing. The Spirit of God started moving in that place, and a mini revival sort of broke out in that place. And this is what Jesus is dealing with where he goes, all the crowds and the mass of people and so on. It says in verse 3, Then they came, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd... They uncovered the roof where he was. How happy would you be if that was your house? How would you be if, because the football's on and there's that many West Tiger supporters in the lounge room and in the doorway that I can't get in, so I'd dig a hole in your roof and lower myself down. I don't think you'd be too happy. Maybe, I don't know whether they, mate, you know what? These guys were probably so excited about what Jesus was doing that they didn't care about a hole in their roof. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm just trying to imagine. It would have been a wild experience. They came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And as the story goes on, the Pharisees, religious leaders get uppity about that. Who are you to forgive sins? And so Jesus being clear, he goes, right here, okay, let's not muck around with words here. I can say to you, your sins are forgiven, and you can wonder, do I have authority or not to do that? But what if I say to the paralytic, get up and walk? And he does. What do you got to say about that? You can't go anywhere with that stuff because it physically happened, you saw it, you got nothing to say. So Jesus goes that step further, raises the paralytic. What an exciting story. 
to try to imagine being in that place in that moment with all the activity going on and roof being ripped open and everybody looking up as a hole appears and then what the heck is this? A guy's getting lowered down. You know, luckily they all sort of lowered him down together otherwise he might have fallen off and hit the deck and that would have been not good. But uh, what an amazing story. The crowds were growing. How many of you know that Jesus being in that place at the time, there would have been a lot of needs around him that he couldn't see? He was encapsulated by a certain time and space and there was lots of stuff going on, lots of needs, lots of valid needs that people had that Jesus himself was unable to see. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about connect groups. We've got a couple of connect group leaders. We're going to get them up this morning. We're going to pray over them. What is a connect group? A connect group is a small group of people, a little bit like these four guys, carrying a sick person, helping bring that person to Jesus. I want to talk about uh, what connect groups are in the life of the church. Before I do, I just want to say something. As the church grows, it gets harder and harder to see everybody's needs. Um, Those of you that have been here for a while would know that that, that this is our... uh, this is a full-time uh, call of God to pastor this church, but at the same time, I work full-time in, in, as a retail manager. So I do this on the side. I've still got to do my 50 hours a week where I work. I, I did the clothes last night. I didn't get home till 9.30 last night. Um, so, so we're doing the best that we can to try to stay in touch with people and connect with people and so on. But my wife is also, she's not here today, she's six, she's a uni student. Um, she's also working part-time uh, in retail down there in Ballina as well. Uh, we've got four kids. So in amongst all that, we're doing our best to care for people. We're doing our best to be pastors, whatever that looks like. We're doing our best. Um, but you know what? As the church grows and as the crowds get bigger... It's getting harder and harder for us to know everybody's individual needs. We can't connect with everybody. Uh, we don't know what's going on in everybody's world. We would love to. to you know, the Bible says we, 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 we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. We would love to mourn with those who are mourning and rejoice, but we don't know a lot of what's going on. We get text messages from people and, and, and the stuff that we know we try to help and, and be involved in. Itself. But there's a lot of things. And as the church gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it's just a reality that it gets harder and harder and harder for leaders to know what's going on in everybody's life. Having said that, we all have valid needs, valid wants, valid issues, and we all have a journey with God that needs to continue to take place. This is where connect groups come into play. As the crowds grow, people's individual needs get harder to notice. In this passage, Jesus didn't see this man. He couldn't see this man. If it wasn't for these four people... Jesus would never have known this guy was laying there paralytic on a bed. It was that these people came and they brought this guy to him. In the same way as the church grows, it gets harder for pastors and leaders to see everyone's individual needs because of the different things that we're doing and the the, the growth of people. This man's needs were valid, they were important. Most of all, he had needs that were answerable. But Jesus was unable to see him at the time. So, thank God for a small group of his mates, a small group of people who, without their involvement in his life, This man actually may have never walked again. Think about that. If these people had not been involved in this man's world, if these people had not been aware of his needs, if these people had not practically contributed to help, if these people had not been a part of that journey, we may not have this story in the Bible. This story is in the Bible not because of the healing power of God. It's in the Bible because of four people that cared for a friend. And that's the power of connections. 
That's the power of being connected to a group of people. You know, we live in a very individualistic society, a very isolated society. If you get a chance, I'm not a doctor, okay? I'm not a medical doctor or psychologist or psychiatrist. Some of you in this room may have training in those areas. But I have done a lot of research on the ill effects of isolation. When we isolate ourselves from society, when we isolate ourselves from community, I have probably a natural tendency to to be a bit of a a, a recluse if I allow myself to be. But I know enough about the negative side of that. Uh, My father is a bit of a hermit. He's a wonderful man, but a lot of things have gone down in his life. And uh, in the last probably 15, 20 years, my father's become a hermit, a recluse. He doesn't go out much other than to to Repco to buy a part for his car or... uh, you know, he, he sits at home and watches his footy and potters in his garden and plays with his dogs. Wonderful man, but I can see in my own father the effects of social isolation as we pull ourselves away from other people. As a church, one of the beauties of a church is that we are meant to be not just a bunch of people that come together on a Sunday for two hours, raise our hands, sing some songs, have a coffee and go. We are meant to be a, a loving, supporting community, a representation to each other of an invisible God. That's what we are meant to be. Our connection can't just be two hours on a Sunday morning. If you are thinking that two hours on a Sunday morning is going to provide the charge you need, the impetus you need to change, the motivation to succeed at what God's called you to succeed in, the power to overcome those areas that you know need to be... If you think two hours on a Sunday morning is going to give you everything you need for that, you are going to be bitterly, bitterly disappointed. We can't do this thing apart from relationship with other people. We were created that way. Life is created. People are created to be interwoven, to be connected, and to live in healthy community. Amen? That's what connect groups are all about. As the church gets bigger, it's got to get smaller. I don't know where I heard that, but I heard that saying about 20 years ago, and I've never forgot it. As the church gets bigger... It has to get smaller. And the way that the church gets smaller is by having healthy life groups or connect groups, as we call them here in Arise, having healthy groups of people meeting together, supporting each other, praying for each other, looking out for each other, caring for each other, knowing that somebody is going to be there to support you and pray for you and so on. God uses people. It's a simple fact that we cannot get around. Um, If you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, really quickly, verse 16. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation because I love the way uh, that the New Living Translation simplifies it. Ephesians chapter 4, it's talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about the church all being one, being unified. It, talks, it goes on, it talks about the different giftings that God places in the church, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and it talks about the reasons for all that stuff and it's all about equipping and motivating and encouraging and bringing together not separating or isolating. It's about building us up so that we can become a strong, healthy body. And in verse 16, it says this. It says, Under God's direction, his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. We're fitted together. That word fitted literally means it's like a Lego block. It's not haphazard chance. We're not trying to jam. We are created to connect like Lego blocks, to pop in and to out of that, each of us build something great. Build lives, help build families, help build communities, help build nations. We're fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Who does a special work? 
Which part? Each part. Put your hand up if you're in each. If you didn't put your hand up, you need to put your hand up because guess who? You're in each. I'm going to start walking around calling you, you're in each. Doesn't sound real good, does it? But it's a great thing. You're in each. You're each part. And the Bible says that as each part, in other words, as every one of us do our own special work, there's something that you bring to the table of the kingdom of God. There's something that you have. There's a gift on your life. There's something that you have to contribute to give. Guess what? You find the ultimate fulfillment in life as you start to give to others. Life is not about getting. We live in a consumeristic society where it's all about getting. I want to go to church because I want to get great worship. And I want to get great teaching. And I'm going to pick it apart if the worship's not great. And I'm going to go home and have pasta for lunch if he slips up or trips anywhere. Because I'm there to get. And I'm giving up my time on a Sunday morning. And so I'm sitting. So you better give me. Give me word. Give me worship. Then afterwards, you better give me coffee. And it better be good. Not that Nescafe or Makona stuff. I want good coffee. And I want good cakes as well afterwards. I want really good cake. By the way, our morning tea people are doing a fantastic job. I, I, I'm just looking at the chocolate cake up the back there. And by the, time, by the time, caramel cake, save me cake at the end of church, someone. Um, but the thing is, each of us have something to contribute. And in a consumeristic society, it's really against the flow for Christians to live a life that's about giving. A life of contributing not just consuming. And so when we come to church on a Sunday, yes, I hope that you feel contributed to. I hope that you go away feeling more passionate about God, feeling more excited about your faith. I hope you go away like um, A.W. Tozer once said. He, said. he said, church on Sunday, he said, it's like bringing the car into a petrol station and you put the pump in and you fill it up with fuel and you send the car back out there into the marketplace for the rest of the week, full of petrol, ready to go. And you come back in on Sunday and you get the Bowser in again and we pump you. I hope that that's your experience. But it's not just about getting. A healthy, growing community, the church as God sees it, is also about giving. It's about giving to one another, supporting one another, caring for one another, as these four men did. I don't know how inconvenient it was for them, but I'll make, a, make an assumption. Digging a hole in a roof would have been pretty inconvenient. But these four men were so committed to helping this guy find his feet again. They were so committed to helping this man walk again. They were so committed to helping this guy get to Jesus that they carried him. They probably, it wouldn't have been like today where they had him on a, on a hospital stretcher and they wheeled him through. To, they would have carried this guy. Backbreaking work. To get him up on the roof, they, would have, it, it, they wouldn't have just put him on a lift and pressed a button. Up it goes. They wouldn't have got on the roof with a jackhammer and in three blows smashed a hole in. They would have worked. There would have been blood, sweat and tears to get this man to Jesus. That's support. That's giving. That's helping each other do life better. One of the things I love about, about uh, the movement that we're a part of, uh, uh, it used to be um, what Christian Outreach and they've changed their name to INC. So if you see INC anywhere, it means International Network of Churches. It's a, just a network of churches. But, but they've got a slogan. And the slogan, you'll see it on one of our signs there, although it's the broken one there. Where is it? There it is, down the bottom right-hand corner there. Born for more. I absolutely love that statement. When we get a, 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 our own building, if God wills it, and we get our own place one day, I want born for more written across it. Born for more, because I think it's a statement. 
We are made for more. We are born and put on this earth to do something great. The first great thing we need to do is connect with God. And once we connect with God and we begin to walk the path God has for us and we begin to listen to God and be led by God, then God begins to download to us and say, hey, now I've got your attention. Here's what I want for you. Here's what I put you here for. I want you to to, to take that aspect of me that's in you, that you reflect and that you give better than most men. I want you to use it to benefit the world. Don't be a consumer. Be a contributor. And these guys were contributors. Under God's direction, the whole body is fitted together as each part does its own special work. And guess what happens as each part does its own special work? It helps the other parts to grow. It helps the other parts to grow. Who are the other parts? Put your hand up if you're another. Put your hand up if you're an each. Put your hand up if you're another. You should have both hands up. I'm an each and another. I'm both. I'm an each and I'm another. So I've got something to contribute to your world to help you do life better. But guess what? I'm also another and you've got something in your world to contribute to me to help me do life better. And that's how it works. So that nobody gets puffed up and proud and thinks I've got it all. We need each other. You need what people in this room have. And people in this room need what you have. It's a matter of you getting confident, connecting with God and going, right, yeah, yeah, this, this, is, this is how I want to live my life. I want to be a contributor. I want to help people do life better because I honestly believe that we are all born for more. As each part helps the other parts to grow, the goal is so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Notice it doesn't say so that the whole body is healthy and growing. It says so that the whole body is healthy and growing because we will never get there. We will never get to a point this side of heaven where we go, I've made it, thanks for your help, now I don't need you people anymore, I'm going to go over here and live in my independent utopia. I've got a mate of mine, um, his name was Alan actually, years and years ago, me and my wife when we got married, we moved to Bundaberg and we were running a, a youth group uh, in a little Anglican church there. And there was a guy there and, and his son came along and this guy was part of, of leadership there. Cut a long story short, he began to isolate himself from people. Now, what, back in that day, it was really big for people to not go to church, sit at home and watch Joyce Meyer followed by Kenneth Copeland followed by Creflo Dollar. And that was your relationship with God. They would sit at home and watch that instead. If you watch those guys, they're irrelevant. I'm not making any comment about those guys. What I'm saying was he sat at home and had a relationship with a television screen and cut off all his relationships with his Christian friends and, 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 and even his own wife, who was a believer, and his kids. He would get all this stuff. He'd go into a room, he'd lock the door, and that's where he would say, I'm just spending time with God. You know, eventually, after a period of about six months, he was in a psychiatric ward because he had the Apostle Paul starting to appear to him, telling him all the problems of all the churches in Bundaberg. And telling him, you need to go to this pastor and tell him he's wrong here. And you need to... So you can imagine him walking into all the churches going, look, the Apostle Paul spoke to me, told me to come and tell you. Impacted his marriage, he lost relationship with his kids, uh, uh, he ended up in a psych ward, lost his job, it was a, a mess. And it all happened because he thought he got to a point where he didn't need people anymore. I can just isolate myself. You know what? The Western church is so full of radically wonderful information. It's also so full of radically stupid information too, if I'm honest. You know, There's some stuff out there that I, I read it and I shake my head and go, 
If I weigh that up and balance against the whole character of God and counsel of the Bible, I don't know how that book is so popular. But at the same time, I do know how it's so popular because it probably um, you know, kisses certain parts of, of, of people's minds and spirits that they, they want to be like, oh, yes, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. But at the end of the day, we cannot do this thing, we cannot grow, we cannot punch forward without being in relationship with other people. That's why today we are wanting to launch and start the process of getting our small groups or life groups or whatever you've had them called in other churches. We call them connect groups here. Connect groups because they're about connection with one another. They're about connection with self as you find yourself more. uh, And they're about connection with God. So in a second, I'm going to get a couple of leaders. We've got a, a couple of leaders that are going to come up now. We're going to pray over them this morning. Uh, they won't be the only Connect leaders. We're just in that process of slowly meeting with people and praying and, and uh, seeking God ourselves and going, God, who are the people here that, that, that Father, you have? That's, that's their bit. That's their each so they can give to the other. But at the same time, they'll receive as well from people. But they'll be uh, responsible for a certain level of pastoral care within the life of the church. And we're going to get a couple of those up in a second. Uh, One way to ensure that you never grow, never succeed, never change, are not challenged in life, is to isolate yourself from other people. And I pray and hope that nobody in this church wants to do their Christianity that way. Has anyone ever watched those African lion, uh, African um, documentaries? I I love those documentaries. You know, with the cameras now, they can slow everything right down. See all the things that you couldn't see once before, you know? It's just like, and then they slow it down, and all of a sudden you can see that he's, you know, mouthing amazing grace while he's jumping on it. You couldn't see that before, but now you can see all that stuff. And I remember watching one years ago, and it was, was how the, the um, lions hunted, um, I, think, I think it was, might have been zebra, when they were hunting zebras. And what they showed on the film was that the, the lions would come in a pack, or might have been deer, and they would run. And they wouldn't just see one there, say you were in a group here, and just jump on one in the middle of a group. They would run. And the zebra or deer, whatever it was, would panic. And they would all take off as a, as a big family, running hard in one direction. And the lions would just run alongside of them, run alongside of them. And eventually what would happen, they'd turn them left, turn them right. Eventually, one deer or one zebra would turn the wrong way and would isolate himself from the rest of the group. And once that one had isolated itself from the rest of the group, then they would turn and they would launch and they would tear that thing apart. And I think that's how the devil works as well. He wants to isolate us from the rest of the body of Christ. Because he knows that while we're connected, there's, there's, there's protection, there's, there's, there's covering. And I, don't, I know when I say words like that, people think, oh, hang on, if you've had bad church experiences in the past, it's all about control. It's not about control. It's not about that, okay? Um, I'm not here talking about that. What I want us to focus on is the importance of being connected. And that's what we're talking about today, is that connectedness. When we stay connected, we have a way better chance of success in life. We have a way better chance of achieving in life, of changing, of becoming all that we're meant to be. Who's a rugby league fan here? Who's, who, who would be considered the best halfback that's ever played the game? John Thurston? You're saying, yep, yeah, well, at this stage of the game, I'd say, Andrew, I think by the time he retires, Thurston will do him. But Andrew Johns, exactly. Andrew Johns at this point is considered the greatest halfback that's ever played the game. What has to happen for Jonathan Thurston, uh, sorry, for Andrew Johns to not be known as that? Just don't play a team sport. You might have all the best halfback skills in the world, but guess what? All those skills fit into a bigger picture. 
that set of giftings and abilities work really, really well in the context of this thing called a rugby league team. Take away a rugby league team, yeah, you can, what, you can pass the ball 100 metres that way and that way, yeah, great, wonderful. Just tell your kids to get 100 metres away when you're kicking the ball with them. But no one's going to know your name. You're not going to achieve much. You're not going to be able to do too much. Take the team context away, take the group away, and a lot of the skills and abilities that these guys have would be unnoticed. And you have a lot of skills, abilities, talents, encouragements, things like that, that get a chance to shine and come forth in the context of group, in the context of community. That's what we're talking about here this morning. Really quickly before I get these guys up, five very, very quick things. Five quick benefits that I believe connect groups give to our life. And I've covered most of them, but we'll just brush over real quick. The very first one, individual needs can be shared. Okay, before any type of help can be offered to any human being, somebody has to know about it. You can be sitting there going through all kinds of stuff in your life. Don't get upset because nobody's praying for you if nobody knows. Don't get upset that nobody's caring for you if nobody knows. If you haven't told anybody what you're going through and you're carrying it alone, you can't blame the rest of the world because you haven't shared nothing with anybody. And connect groups give us a safe environment with a smaller group of people to build them kind of relationships where we realise, you know what, I can actually be open and honest with these people. I can actually share exactly how I'm going. I might wear a mask over here with the bigger group to a certain degree, but when I get here and you begin to build those relationships and you start to trust one another and love one another, see each other, good, bad, ugly and still reflect God and grace to each other. It creates an environment where we get to share. So needs get to be shared. The men in this story knew that this man was struggling. They knew that he was struggling. Your need might not be as obvious as his, but there are a group of people in your world that you can share it with, and we call that group a connect group. The second benefit of connect groups is people find room for service. People find room to exercise their gifts and abilities. Sunday morning... There's only a certain amount of people that, that, that get a chair at the table, so to speak. Sunday morning, our church service is not geared towards everybody contributing something. It would be chaos. And I know people, um, you know, people go to Corinthians and they'll say, yeah, but it says in Corinthians, let everyone share the share. The, the. Totally different context. Read your context. Read your culture. Have a look at what that's talking about. It would be chaos and madness. It's one of the reasons why the Bible says women don't talk in church. It was a context thing. You know why? Because men were sitting here, women were sitting here. And if the woman didn't understand something, she'd be calling across in the middle of a meeting to the man, what does that mean, honey? I'll tell you later. No, I want to know now. <laughs> hey, hey. So that's not a reflection that women can't talk in church. That's rubbish. It was about having a bit of control and a bit of order when the believers all came together and gathered. That's all it was about. So in the context of small groups, people find room to serve. It's a complete fallacy to think that unless something happens Sunday morning, it's not real. It's funny because we read from a book where about 95% of what you're reading about happened outside of the context of a church. Hardly any of this stuff happened in a church meeting. So I think God's done a lot of stuff outside of a Sunday morning. We can make meals, we can mow lawns, we can comfort, encourage, support, pick up, drop off. There's a thousand things that we can do to help and support one another. Thirdly, prayer support can be given. This small group of guys brought this man to Jesus. Because of their faith, the Bible says he was healed. Notice that, read the story. Jesus said because of their faith. Their faith, their belief that this man could be made whole caused them to go to action. And sometimes that's what we need. You might not have any belief that your situation can change, but there can be a group of people around you that have faith and believe that you can be helped, you can make it through this situation. When you feel like you can't, they're there to carry you, support you, pray for you, lift you up to God. 
And you might get through and come out the other end because of their faith. It doesn't matter how you got out the other end, but the fact is you can get out the other end. The fourth thing is we find encouragement in connect groups. These guys had to lift this man up above the crowd. And you know what? Sometimes that's what we need too. Some people, sometimes we get so self-reflective or we get so down on ourselves, or so caught up because things aren't going the way we think they should or whatever. And we can. Human nature is that we, 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 we look in and, and, and we can tend to focus sometimes too much on the negatives and not enough on the positives. It's good to have a group of people around to go, you know what, look, I know how bad you feel, but you know what, come on, you're a good person. You're a good father. You're a good mother. You're not perfect. Yeah, but who is? You're doing the best you can. Yes, there's room for improvement. Yes, we can do things better and let's encourage you and challenge you to do that. But, but I want to lift you up above the problem. Get you to see God in the midst of it. We encourage one another. We build one another up. Hebrews 10.25 exhorts us to continue to meet together. One of the reasons why is it says to encourage each other, especially as the times are getting darker. We need to be encouraging one another. I don't get a lot of encouragement. When I go to work and I go to my retail environment and I've got a problem, nobody has ever said to me, fair dinkum now, geez, well, hang on, let's just pray about that. Or I'm saying, you know what, I'm angry about this. No one's ever said to me, really, you're angry? Yeah. Look, it's okay to be angry. The Bible says be angry, don't sin. But, but yeah, why don't you ask God, what is it that, that caused the anger? What exactly is it that's got you agitated about that situation? No one's ever said that to me at work. I don't get it. But I get around a group of believers. They're the ones that are encouraging me that way. They're the ones that are pushing me that way. And finally, a fifth thing, and there's many, many more. We get to experience God. How do you know what the grace of God feels like? Well, when somebody gives you grace. We are here, part of our call is to reflect the invisible God to a visible world. When I extend forgiveness to you and you've done something wrong to me, guess what I'm doing? I'm reflecting the attributes of an invisible God to you. When you feel that, you're feeling God. This is what forgiveness is. When you get grace from somebody, you know you've blown it, you know you've pushed it too far, and they come along and give grace to you, and you feel that. Guess what that is? That's a, a, a visible expression of the invisible God to you. God uses people. We want to sometimes just sit there in a quiet room and just feel. We reflect to one another the invisible attributes of God. When somebody sits there and they, they, you're going through a tough time and they listen to you, guess what? They're reflecting to you your heavenly Father who is there listening to you all the time. Not only is he listening to you as you pour out your heart now, he was there when it happened. All those years ago, last week, this morning, he was there. And as you sit there and pour out your heart and you get that grace, that love, as you get that encouragement, and at times as you get that challenge, Come on. Pull your head up. Let's go. You need to apologise, I think, maybe for that. You shouldn't have kicked your dog. It wasn't the dog's fault. Whatever it is. We experience God in that context. Right here. Can I get um, Pat and Peter and Cheryl? Come on up. I'm just going to pray for these guys this morning. As, as I... <laughs> As I said before, connect groups are going to be an evolving thing. We have some other people 
that we've talked to about leadership. We just need to sit down with them. And, and we have uh, prayed, myself and Jackie, we have prayed for quite a while about this because we see uh, Connect Groups as one of the most important parts of the life of a church. Um, we're not uh, praying for people who are willing to hold a meeting. We're praying for people who are willing to show pastoral care, to reflect the heart of the Father to people in the life of this church. We care for everybody in this church, but we don't have the time or the capacity personally to care for everybody. And so we break it down into bite-sized pieces and we call them Connect Groups. So this morning we want to pray for these guys. Uh, Over the next uh, few weeks, it'll take a bit more shape. Uh, After I've prayed for them as well, I've got some Connect cards here and I'll just talk you through that. Uh, Anybody that's interested in in putting their name down or whatever. But uh, right now we just want to uh, just declare and just say to everybody that these uh, couple here, Deb as well, she's sick today, that these guys have been set apart, uh, we believe by God, for a certain level of, of leadership and, and, and responsibility and pastoral care of our church family here at Arise. So we're excited about that going forward. We want to get them up. We want to pray over them because we believe in, in commissioning and we believe in, in, in the power of prayer. But we also want the church to know as well that these guys are reflecting uh, not only God, but they're a reflection of us uh, to people as well. So if we can all just, if you're comfortable, just raise your hand towards them. If you're not, if it weirds you out, whatever, but we can just close our eyes and let's just pray. Father, we want to, uh, God, I just want to thank you right now, Father, for Rise Church. want to thank you for where we're at, God, as a church. Uh, Lord, we want to thank you, uh, God, that this uh, season and this time that we're in is, is significant, God. There are changes happening. There are things that you're speaking to us, Father. Uh, Lord, we're growing and going ahead and in doing so, uh, Lord, we know that, uh, Father, it's your heart that nobody feel lost. It's your heart that nobody feel uh, not cared for. It's your heart, God, that nobody, uh, Lord, would feel left out. But there would be opportunity for everybody to grow in their relationship with one another and with you, Father. So right now, God, we just want to pray uh, for uh, Peter and for Cheryl. God, I want to pray for Pat and for Deb. And Lord, we just pray for your mantle of, uh, Lord, leadership, responsibility, uh, God, to be upon their life. God, we pray that you would open up uh, their eyes to a greater level of uh, pastoral uh, care, God. That, Father, they would have an ability to see, uh, Lord, the needs to lead people uh, in, in a direction and a path that you want those people to go, to care for those people and to reflect your heart, Father, to uh, not only to the church, but to those outside the church and to those in our community, Father. So we thank you for them, Lord. We present them to you. We give them up to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. Excellent. Okay, about to finish up now. Before we do, I'm going to put these up the back. These are Connect Cards. So on the back, it's just got your name, it's got some spousal details and kids' details and things like that. Um, I was hoping to, to get other ones with a bit more fancy uh, Arise thing on it, but I found these in the box, so God must be into this today. I didn't know he had them, I just found them in a the box. So I'm going to put them up the back. If you're interested in being a part of a Connect Group, and let me encourage you, my encouragement to everybody is, I believe you need to be in a Connect Group. Not to be saved, not to go to heaven, But I believe to get everything out of this journey of life that you want to get out that God has for you, you need to be in regular connection. Um, uh, I'm going to put these up the the back there on the table. I'll put a pen there. Anybody wants to fill them out and leave some details, we can. We'll get back to you in terms of how they're practically going to run. Connect groups are not going to take up your whole life. Most of them are probably going to meet once a fortnight. Um, We've left it up to the leaders to to find out the venues and times and and how they're going to work. It's a chance for you to put, to have a bit of a look at some of the stuff that God's saying to us and to put it into practical terms. It's one thing you get information. It's another thing to actually think about that information, ask yourself the question, what does that mean to me? And what do I do with that? 
And that's what we're all about here at Arise Church. So I'll put those up the back there. Uh, the Connect Group leaders will probably be approaching some of you as well, asking you to pray. Again, let me say, you don't need to be in a Connect Group to get to heaven, but I believe you need to be in a Connect Group if you genuinely want to get everything out of this life that God has for you. I know you're busy. Maybe you might want to be in one, but, but you're busy and it doesn't, the time frames don't work. Well, come and see us and go, look, I, I can only do one from 2 to 3 a.m. on a Friday. Uh, you might be a fisherman, I don't know. And so maybe we can work something out for you there. But it's important that we all be connected and that we all be on the same page and that we all be going forward in our journey with God. So, Father, I just want to thank you, uh, Lord, for today. God, I pray that as we go away from here, Father, your spirit would uh, Lord, percolate some of the thoughts and the things that we've chatted about today, Father. God, I pray for the rest of the week that you would bless each person in this room. I pray that you would empower us to not only uh, do what we need to do this week, but to do everything as if we were doing it directly to God, as the Bible tells us to, Father. Do things with excellence, with purpose, with passion, uh, and God, to reflect you to the world around us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rightio. Well, before you go, guys, there's tea and coffee up the back. There's beautiful chocolate cake. I keep looking at the cake. Uh, hang around. Say good day to somebody you haven't chatted to before. Meet somebody new. Please don't rush off. Um, and just one final thing. All you ladies that are doing the Break Free course, please don't feel pressured that you need to dive straight into a connect group. Okay? You are already out uh, once a week doing that. If you, are, you want to join one, that's fine, but uh, you're already on a bit of a journey there, so please don't feel pressured that you have to dive into one right now. We don't want church to take up five nights of your life. Amen? God bless. These will be up the back there.